morning, church. You know, it doesn't happen often, and when it does, it's terrifying. But today was one of those days where God changed my sermon an hour ago. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, we're going to make it anyhow. And it's such a privilege when you have an opportunity to be God's mouthpiece that you want to be careful that you say only what he wants you to say. So even if that means that I'm going to be a little bit out of my comfort zone this morning, I want to make sure that what he wants to deliver to you is what you receive on this morning. And so I say all that to say, I know you're accustomed to me having all the slides ready for you, and then it has a little page number in the corner of the slide. None of that's happening today. I will... I will let you know, and I'm going to ask Evangelist to check her text message that I just sent. And so I'm going to feed you the uh, page numbers. So if you don't have a Bible this morning, just lift your hand and someone will get one for you. And then that way, when I get to the scriptures that we're going to read, I can tell you what page to look on in the house Bible if you're using that Bible. And if you have your own Bible or your Bible app, you should be fine. But Today we are in our second week of our sermon series entitled God with us. Somebody say God with us. God with us. We have been exploring the themes of Advent each week leading up to Christmas. And last week we discovered that God's promised hope came to us in the form of a person. Jesus meets our deepest longings and is the hope for our present and our future. And so today we will visit the promise of love that was born into the world in the form of a baby in a manger. Now this is a very familiar depiction of love coming into the world and you may even have it displayed in your home today. You might have it out on your lawn this today. You may have a nativity scene that is set up on the mantle of your fireplace, but what is a nativity? What does it mean? The word nativity comes from the Latin word meaning birth. And the nativity scene that we set out each year is a depiction of the birth of God, our God, the God of the universe into this world. And surround it In this scene, you have his mother and his earthly father, some barred yard animals, shepherds, angels. All eyes of the nativity, though, are fixed on the baby Jesus because it's all about his birth. Somebody say it's all about him. him. We have to remind ourselves because in this culture today, we can sometimes get so caught up in so many other things at Christmas We almost have to remind ourselves this is really about him. Now, I want to, as I always try to teach and bring something practical and relevant into today's world and liken it to something that we're talking about in scripture, but think about for a moment the phenomenon we have in our culture um, that's taking over as our young couples are having babies called the gender reveal. Anybody familiar with the gender reveal? they are getting way out of control, right? 
I mean, you almost need an insurance policy to come and attend one of these um, events because um, when we get there, we don't know how spectacular or how out of the norm it's going to be when they desire to let us know what the sex is of their baby. But it's essentially a desire to celebrate and to anticipate what is to come. Amen? So they have this great excitement trying to figure out what's going to be the sex of the baby. And all of us, as we gather, we have that excitement as well. I think you see where I'm going with this, right? I want to share with you, even as I think about that excitement, my first pregnancy, and one of the promises that God had made Many of you remember me sharing a testimony a few weeks ago about the prophetic word I received after um, a leap of faith and, and generosity and giving. And one of the things that the, the word of God gave was that I was going to have a baby and it was going to be a girl. Now, if I'm being absolutely transparent with you, this was, I was elated in part but there was a part of it I was wondering if like I had the order right because I had my life planned out and I was going to have a boy first. Like you needed to have like the oldest to be the brother. So I was elated, I mean elated that I was going to have a baby, but I was going, maybe he didn't get the order right. You know, I'm going to have a baby, but maybe it's going to be a boy first. And so I remember going to the ultrasounds and every time we would go, other people would tell me they got their gender right away. Each time, the technician would say, I can't see what you're having. The way the baby is positioned is almost as if they're hiding their gender. After about the second time of this happening and me getting disappointed and going home, the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly, I told you what you're having. And it was almost as if God was annoyed with me that I was waiting on some human being to look at some computer and give me information that he'd already divinely shared with me and he knew that I knew better than this. And so just do me a favor, hit the volume for the computer audio on the soundboard, take it all the way down and then whatever sounds the computer's making, we won't hear it anymore. So just, uh, just on the audio, take it all the way down. Thank you so much. And so, oddly enough, I, after I got this revelation, I said, you're right, Father. You told me we were having a girl. And the big holdup was I was trying to figure out how to decorate the room. Should I get pink stuff? Should I get blue stuff? And so I said, I received that. You did say we were having a girl. By faith, I will prepare for a girl. And so I remember we went out, we bought the pink paint, Remember when Babies R Us still existed? I don't know why they went out of business. We went to Babies R Us and we got the beautiful little borders for the girl. We painted the room, we put the border up, and we went to the next appointment and lo and behold, miraculously now they can see the sex of the baby. Now that I've already obeyed God, now that I've already moved by faith, now that I've already done what he had told me to do, they said, oh, you wanna know what you're having? I was like, let me guess, a girl? And they were like, yeah, how did you know? There's something about when God makes a promise and being able to, as we talked about last week, 
wait on that promise, knowing that even though it may take a little bit longer than you expect it, it is going to come to pass. And so once you have that understanding that the promises of God are going to come to pass, and then you begin to develop an excitement about seeing God's promises come to pass, you get to then put this into context of what we're going to see as we look at our scripture today for Mary. Amen? Amen. Maybe you haven't been a part of one of these extravagant gender reveals, or maybe preparing for a new child hasn't come in your lifespan yet. But either way, we know that there's so much anticipation and preparation in store when something new is coming into our lives. And that could be a puppy, even a new oven. Amen? There's almost always preparation in order to make way for something new. So my first point this morning for my note takers, I love my note takers, is we prepare for the birth of something new. We prepare for the birth of something new. You see, the reason the nativity, the birth of Jesus, is so significant is not because this birth happened one day long ago, but because God's desire for each of us is for Christ to be born within us even today. For the love of God to be revealed to the world by the way that we live. So as we continue this Advent series, what would happen if each of us, full of expectation that God could birth something new within us this season, began to prepare ourselves for all that God desires to do? There is a specific promise, if you want to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which in your house Bible is page 334. There's a specific promise that's given in the Old Testament that is fulfilled in this nativity scene that we are so familiar with. It reads, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. There would be a sign given to God's people that they had not been forgotten in their sinful and broken states. But instead, when they see the virgin give birth to a child, they would see the tangible love of God coming into this world to rescue us all. The instruction given in Isaiah is to be prepared. Be ready for this revelation. Live your life with expectation that God would come to us. I heard somebody say before, you don't have to get ready if you what? Stay ready. Make space in your lives. Make room for the birth of a work of God within you right now, even before the arrival comes. I remember being so overprepared, and I'm sure you can't imagine that from me and my personality, but I remember having the bags ready to go because on a moment's notice, I wanted to be prepared. I wanted to be 
ready? What if we took that expectation and that preparation that we do for the things that we're looking forward to and apply that in our lives spiritually to be ready to be used by God? In a moment's notice, when he begins to speak to us that we're not too busy to do what he's calling us to do. In the New Testament Gospels, if you want to start making your way to where we're going to be this morning for the majority of our time, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 1. We have two different accounts of the nativity birth. Both Matthew and Luke each give an explanation of the way in which God came to us in the middle of our mess to be with us because of his love. In the book of Luke, there is captured within the birth narrative a bit of backstory to the nativity. And I kind of chuckled for a moment because I can't imagine what it would be like to come, I mean, to come and dwell with us was such a blessing for us, but I can't imagine what that would be like for the Lord. Like, have you ever really thought about that? Like, what a demotion that is in terms of having to dwell with, you know how we are. Give yourself a little bit of time in traffic trying to get to your next destination and you're reminded of humanity and how we are. And to come and to dwell with us, to be with us, to suffer with us, to experience our humanity to have to experience what we experience, the pain, the, all of the tribulations, the trials. What a wonderful, loving sacrifice. I mean, in my life, just think about it. Pastor had some really super fantastic tickets for us to go to the Cavs game. And I was really humbled because I remembered my journey. And I remember when we first used to go to the games, we used to get these donated tickets, you know, like after they don't pack the, the stadium. And then they give you like super nosebleed seats. And for me, that's terrifying because I don't like heights. And so you have to keep climbing and climbing and climbing to get to the top of the stadium. And then you really are just watching the game on the Jumbotron because you can't see anything. And I chuckled because as I was sharing this with you, the Lord dropped in my spirit like you wouldn't even trade your seat on the floor to go up in the bleacher seat with somebody. Would you do that? Like, no, we don't want to be inconvenienced. By nature, we don't like to have to sacrifice. If there's a way that we can do something as Americans and do it easier, we're signing up for it. Half of the service industry exists because they know that we're lazy. And if, we can, if they can present to us a quicker way, an easier way, a new way, we're all for it. And so I like to think about that because sometimes it's easy we can become entitled. We feel like people do things for us because they should do things for us. Okay, he's God, so, you know. No, this is a sacrifice of epic proportions. And we get to see some sacrifices even made in the lives of the vessels that he used to deliver this blessing to us. Are you with me at Luke chapter 1 now? Let's look at what this young teenage girl named Mary had to endure in this encounter with Gabriel. 
And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. <laughs> and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and he shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So I want you to think about this again, because remember, I'm always, I'm always stretching you for us to not just read the scripture, but for us to live in the scripture, for us to feel that moment. Do, how much time have you spent thinking about the embarrassment that would mean for this teenage girl? Who is espoused? Now, I know it's a different culture and we can't really picture it, but think for a moment what was the name of that series that just came out? Shonda, Shonda Rhimes? Um, Bridgerton. Think Bridgerton for a moment, if you've seen that series. Think very formal. Think that when someone is a spouse to someone else, there's a period in their marriage process that this is where the marriage has already begun. And now you are to keep yourself blameless and to keep yourself pure and to that part in the marriage process when you consummate. And if you saw Bridgerton, you know that it was like a huge deal to be soiled, to even be thought of have being soiled. Like if they see you alone with another person that you're espoused to, that that's a big problem. So imagine being told by an angel that you are with child. What is everybody going to think? Sacrifice. Love. Because we get to this point where it doesn't really matter what someone else thinks. Because I know that what God is challenging me to do, he's given me the grace to be able to do it. And because he's given me the grace, I believe something great is going to be birthed through me, even though it involves a little bit of sacrifice. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I feel like I'm talking to some business owners that maybe have to go through some sacrifices. I think I'm talking to some leaders that have to go through some sacrifices on their journey. I think I'm talking to some couples that have to go through some sacrifices as they become one. I think I'm talking to some individuals who God wants to use and take to another level and sometimes we get nervous and we get a little bit worried about the process and what it looks like and I can't imagine what this process looked like to this young teenage girl but it was her process and God had a plan. So there's a big key to this story here. 
As I said, Mary is a virgin. Mary is engaged. She has not yet been with Joseph. So this announcement would be a difficult thing to process. But when God is ready to do something new, it almost always causes a disruption. When God gets ready to do something new, it almost always causes a disruption. In a world that is broken and marked by sin, the arrival of love is disruptive. I want to share with you my point two. Point two, when God shows up, our lives are disruptive. Mary's life is taking a turn here that she could have never expected. As far as she knew, (laughs) she was about to marry this nice Jewish boy named Joseph when suddenly she had been chosen to give birth to the savior of the world. This was an obvious disruption. And just imagine how it must have been. We've put ourselves in Mary's shoes. Put yourself in Joseph's Joseph's shoes for just a moment. So if it's an embarrassment for her, imagine what he must have experienced. Your fiance suddenly becomes pregnant and it's not your baby. How do you explain this to all of your friends and your family when honor is so important in this culture? You know that Mary says an angel told her (laughs) that this baby is not from another man. But when have you ever met somebody that had a baby that was from an angel, that an angel that told him it was from God? See, God does things that he's never done before in our lives. Nobody in your family's ever gone to college before. Nobody in your family has ever had a successful marriage before. Nobody in your family has been an entrepreneur. And so you become a little bit concerned when you hear God's plans for you because you think to yourself, I don't know anybody that's ever dealt with this successfully. How about we begin to proclaim, then I'll be the first. Yes, I will be the one. I will be the one to break the generational curse. I will be the one to make a shift. I'll be the one to show that it is possible, that all things are possible through you, Father God. And so for Joseph, this was a disruption as well. For the political power of that day, King Herod was in control of all of Israel. And for this baby to come into the world and to be the son of God, the king of kings, this meant that all the old kings would have to go. This was also a disruption to the world. And so this this disruption comes because the promise that God loves his people so much that he would come to dwell with them through this humble young girl. I believe that there are two choices that any person has when it comes to disruption within their life. To avoid it or embrace it. I believe that when God is trying to birth something new within us, it will always like 
feel something confusing in our life, something hard, something exciting still, something inexplicable, something uncontrollable. But when this happens, my question this morning is, what will you do? Avoid it or embrace it? I feel like if we make a decision beforehand, it's going to be a little bit easier to stick with it when that time comes. Maybe this morning as you came to church, you were wrestling with the disruption in your own life. Maybe it's a new job you're not sure what to do about. Maybe it's a loss of some kind that is painful. Maybe it is a sin that has finally found you out. Maybe it's a relationship that's hit a dead end. Maybe it's a need that you see around you that you can't get off your mind. Disruption. And this may be God's grace and his love bringing about something new in your life. Some of, this, some of us this morning have spent years avoiding a disruption that God has been trying to use within our lives to birth something new. My prayer today would be that all across this room, there would be people who would stop avoiding the disruptions that God can use to help us experience him and start embracing the work that God wants to do within us through his great love. Like Mary and Joseph in this story, God is wanting to do something through our lives that will change the world. I was, I was kind of outdone. I was helping my um, second oldest daughter with her college applications. And as I was helping her with her college applications, there was this part where she had to do essays. And I don't know about you, but have you ever been at a place where you felt like you knew a person? and then you discover something about them that you never knew. Sometimes when God is calling us and he's using us, there may be people around you who should be really familiar with you, but there's something that God has put on the inside of you to birth that nobody even knows about. It's a seed that's protected as he's making this thing grow inside of you. And my daughter had begun to share with me because I was extracting certain questions out of her in order to get her to showcase her abilities and what would make her an asset to this school. So I had to ask her certain questions and in the process, she began to share with me some things that she had done at her school that made an impact that I don't even think she will fully understand. She talked about how mental health is a challenge for young people in, her, in the school systems and how they have to deal with things and how they have to face things that they don't have the wisdom of a counselor to show them the right way. So then, of course, they're talking to their peers, they're talking to people that don't have the best advice. And so she, along with her classmates, put pressure on her school to hire a counselor. And as a result of their efforts, the school now has a counselor that is able to provide that support to those children. And I thought to myself, you did what? Do you know how that will impact people for decades to come? There are things that God will put in our hearts to do 
that we may think is no big deal. Because for us, it's just, I don't have time for this right now. Have you seen my schedule? Have you seen my agenda? Do you see what I have to get done? Do you see my to-do list? But for him, as we embrace it this morning, as we step into feeling and receiving that God has a plan, that he wants to use us, that he wants to do things and accomplish things in this earth, and that he needs us to be obedient, to have sacrificial love, that we'll do it even though it may not be convenient, even though we may find some type of disruption. But in the end, he will be able to share his love. He will be glorified and people's lives will be changed as a result of our obedience. That is what I hope we're catching this morning as we are looking at what God is doing through Mary. Because sometimes if we stay too strict to the text, we'll be thinking this doesn't apply to us unless we need to be a virgin and give birth to a child. It's bigger than that. Somebody say it's bigger than that. It is each and every one of us have something that God wants to birth in us. Look at how Mary responds, and this is how I'm going to challenge us to respond. Verse 34 through 37. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered her and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So Mary asks a fair question. How will this be? How will this be? She was a virgin. There's no natural way that God could bring about what was promised. You see, within her mind, there can be no new birth because it doesn't seem humanly possible. She is right, though. It is not humanly possible. This is a work of God. So Mary had new birth excuses. What are yours? How can this be, Father? Have you seen my credit score? How can this be, Father? Remember when my youth, I made this mistake? Have you seen my criminal history? How can this be, Father? Remember I had to drop out of college in my third year to help with my family. How can this be, Father? What's your new birth excuse? What is it that you believe disqualifies you and makes it humanly impossible for God to do the thing that he said he wants to do through you. Point three, for my note takers, we all have new birth excuses. We all have them. I've shared with you my new birth excuse when God told me he wanted to plant a non-denominational church in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. I said, God, have you seen the racial climate in this country? <laughs> and take a look around at yourselves. Is anything too hard for God? If he tells you he's going to do it, all he needs for us 
is to believe he's bigger than our excuses. We all have reasons why God cannot do a new work within us. And I want to speak to those excuses for just a moment. I've heard them over and over from people within the church. I've heard people say, there's no way God can save my marriage. It's too far gone. I've heard people say, there's no way God could love me. I've made too many mistakes. I've heard, I will never see the relationship with my son or my daughter restored. There's been too much damage done. I've heard, I will never be able to get on top of my bills. I'm destined to be in debt for the rest of my life. I've heard, I will never be able to get clean and stay sober. The temptation is too strong. These are all excuses for why we can't experience new birth. Like Mary, we point out how, from a human perspective, it does not make sense for God to be able to do a work in and through us. But look how the angel responded to her excuse. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Essentially, he was saying, you see, Mary, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I will overshadow you. I will cover you. I will empower you. I will give you what you need to do what I have asked you to do. All of our excuses are correct and valid about why this Christmas should not be a fresh start and a new birth. And in and of ourselves, it is impossible. But through the love of God, expressed in his miraculous birth, anything is possible. I think as Christians, we've been doing this all wrong. New Year shouldn't be our fresh start. Christmas should be our fresh start. This nativity, this birth, changed the world 2,000 years ago. And this birth is still changing the world today because the same spirit, the same spirit of God that came upon Mary is the same most high that overshadows us today. And God wants to birth something new within you today. And it's not about your ability I have to remind myself of that sometimes. You know, when we make these excuses, we often feel so underqualified. But I want us to think about it this way. If we believe the word of God is true, and we believe that all sin and come short of the glory of God, wouldn't everybody be disqualified if it was based on our abilities? There'd be nobody left to do what God has called to be done. So even in our imperfections, even in the things about yourself, I've seen God raise up some great leaders and they think to themselves, no, I wouldn't be good for this because I have this, that, or the other in my past, or I have this, that, or the other in my personality. But I just want to encourage you this morning, if you are willing to say, you know what, I'll give it a try. I'm actually kind of speaking to myself right now. I had been praying. Um, I was approached yesterday about taking on a role within my sorority, and it was kind of big, 
And I kind of was like, woo, do I want to do that? And I love when I preach, God is like maybe talking to you, but he's talking to me. And I hear him saying, I will empower you to do the things that I called you to do. And so that's why we want to be so careful when we do take on commitments that we pray and we say, God, is this you? Because our flesh will get us to just be like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, that sounds great. But then you'll be out there on your own in your flesh trying to figure out how you're going to pull through. That's not where we want to be. We want to be in the perfect will of God. So that when we find ourselves out there on a limb, we can say, now, wait a minute now. You told me to go out on this limb. I'm going to need you to send your angels. Come on, Father God, dispatch them, release them, whoever you have assigned to me. So you got to have a real relationship with your father. Send my help because I'm where you asked me to be, doing what you asked me to do, and I need your help. God wants to birth something new within you today. And it's not about your track record. It's not about your status. It's simply about seeing that whatever disruption God has allowed or brought into your life is an act of love and is something to be embraced rather than avoided. Mary's, prom- Mary's response is the, the last thing that I want you to look at in the scripture this morning at verse 38. Mary said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Hmm. Be it unto me. Be it unto me. I don't understand it. I don't know how this is going to work. I can't even foresee how you're going to do this. My eyes cannot begin to imagine. My thoughts are not your thoughts. (laughs) So I don't expect to understand things at that magnitude. Just be it unto me. Have your way with your servant. Her response is surrender. She opens herself up to whatever God wants to do within her life. All the questions are not answered. There's plenty yet to be revealed, but she is willing and she rests in God's love for her and God's love for the world. She says, may your word to me be fulfilled. So my final point, point four, is when we submit to God, His promises can be fulfilled through us. When we submit to God, his promises can be fulfilled in and through us. What if this were the kind of posture we committed to this Christmas season? How would our lives be different? Our submission to God has everything to do with what we perceive to be our greatest need. Author Max Lucado said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. 
If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But if our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. Isn't that beautiful? Our greatest need, God has supplied. The world's greatest need was the love and the grace of God. So Mary was willing to take on this disruption that giving birth to the Savior of the world would require. I believe that the new work that God could do within our lives could be good news for someone else. We think of good news strictly in the gospel context, but it would be good news for someone else. When our church went out and paid for everyone's coffee, you know, you wouldn't understand it because if you're, unless you were there, the responses that I received, people felt like that was good news. The simple announcement from the barista that your coffee's already paid for, Excel Church paid for your coffee. That was good news for them on that day. The announcement of what it is that you are going to accept, that role that you're going to accept, that assignment that God is giving you that you're going to accept, that business that you're going to start, that ministry that you're going to serve in, that is going to be good news. Someone is going to hear that I am willing to do this and God is going to be able to complete an assignment and that is going to be great news. When we accept this assignment, Excel Church, it was good news for our community. I see how we bounced around and went to a couple different places. And now that we are where we were meant to be, I see how God is blessing the community that we serve in because we said yes. Because we said yes to come to this church and we were like, what's in there? I wonder what they're doing in there. I wonder what the sermon is like. I wonder what the worship is like. And we're not even done yet. Amen? You haven't even seen what God is going to do when everybody that's supposed to say yes says yes. Only a handful of us have said yes. And look at what God has been able to do with that. Imagine when it's 20 of us, when it's 30 of us, when there's 50 of us, when there's 100 of us that are saying yes. And all of our mighty gifts that have been given to us and implanted with us are being on display to glorify our Father? When that day happens, I'm sorry to say it, you better get here early. There won't even be a place to sit. But God is able. And he's doing it through us. So let me close out this moment in prayer. Because I'm excited that he chose us. Anybody else excited that he chose us? At first, it's a little scary when he chooses you. But then you get to the point where you start to enjoy your calling. And you walk in it. And you get to see what God is doing. And it begins to bring you so much joy. And so, God, I thank you for expressing your love to the world through the arrival of Jesus. And may we, may each and every person under the sound of my voice this morning, may we be conduits of this love to this world that we are in that is so far from you. This Christmas, 
May we be an extension of your grace and your mercy, and may someone come to know Jesus because they know us. These blessings we ask in your holy and sacred name. Amen. Amen.